Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH streaming live on all those smart speakers like Amazon Echo and Google Home. It's not just your three-legged, one-eyed pug attacking postal workers in the Puget Sound. They're being physically attacked by criminals as well. And that is what's trending. What's trending? Crime. Now the postal workers have to be worried not just about your dog, but also the common everyday criminals. So in other words, the postal worker has to act like everybody else who lives in and around Seattle, which is just constantly being aware of your surroundings, head on a swivel. That's the truth in Seattle as much as it is in Tacoma and Puyallup. It's the truth all across Washington State, unfortunately. But we've been tracking a lot of vandalism and postal theft going on, and it turns out, according to the USPS, Master keys keep getting stolen. In this case, we're talking about the master key that would open up either a condominium mailbox or an apartment mailbox. It's the standalone feature that carries mail for everybody. They open it with a master key. They put the mail in. They close it. Then with your individual key, you can only open your own mailbox. But this, of course, gives them access to everyone's mail. Now, stealing mail is almost Always about identity theft. Almost always. Every once in a while, someone gets lucky and, you know, grandma sends you a $20 bill for your birthday and they get to pocket the cash. But for the most part, they're talking about when we're talking about this level of theft, this kind of theft. These aren't porch pirates. They're coming for identity theft reasons, credit card, your bank account, checks that are in the mail. That's what they're doing. And an official representing the Puget Sound area's mail carriers spoke with our sister station, Cairo News Radio. His name is Kevin Gottlieb. He's the president of the Seattle Division of the National Association of Letter Carriers, which, by the way, rejected my application. Apparently, you have to actually be a mail carrier. I just wanted some of the perks. I think you get a discount on Hulu if you're a member. He is saying to Cairo News Radio that... His members are being targeted by these criminals, in some cases, violently. I've never heard about this sort of um, crime against letter carriers and the postal service as I have over the last year. Again, I'll just throw this out and then I'll move on. What's changed recently that we might be seeing such an increase in crime? You don't, don't have to answer. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. And he's obviously hearing these stories directly from... His members over the weekend in Wedgwood, for example, a mail carrier was apparently held at gunpoint. We've in the past and this is just in Seattle. We've done reports on mail uh, trucks being stolen, then abandoned. Again, they're just going through all the mail, trying to get what they can. And then they just leave. They run away because they know that there are no consequences. That is why it's actually really simple. And now they're in a position where, unlike what they've had to do in the past, Gottlieb is telling all of his mail carriers, you should comply if you're confronted. To be safe, to just remember that at the end of the day, the, the Postal Service wants, and so does the union, wants their carriers to go home. And if it means giving them the truck, giving them other items that they want, just give it to them so they can go home at night. Okay, well, I understand what he's saying. 
it's my understanding that neither sleet nor snow nor whatever else is part of that will stop you from delivering mail. But you're also telling them that if some low-level junkie wants to steal the truck filled with my mail, just give it to them. So sleet and snow, not a big deal. The drug-addicted homeless crook, (laughs) that's where we draw the line. Are we adding that to the... Explains where my new credit card went. Well, here's the funny thing about this, or the maddening thing. I don't always know what's being sent to me, right? We don't know what we don't know. Now, we can anticipate, in your case, I'm getting a new credit card. Okay, you can tell yourself, okay, I should get it within the next 7 to 14 days. I don't know why it takes them so long, but that's what it does. But then there's stuff I just don't know that's coming. A a dentist appointment I went to a while ago, and they just are now billing me because they just heard from insurance. I forgot. I owe $20, so it's not like it's that big of a deal. I don't get that bill. You also get a lot of hate mail that you probably don't expect. That part is fine. If you want to take away the hate mail, I'm I'm totally okay with that. And the weird stuff that's handwritten always freaks me out, even when they're nice people. It just it makes me uncomfortable. Someone hand, do, do you not have a computer and a printer? You don't like the personal touch? No, I really don't. It, I don't know why. It's it's maybe a generational thing. I don't know. I don't even I'm I'm at that age where I experience both. And now I just associate handwritten letters with prisoners that that's that's basically yeah we got a stalker letter in there that i posted on our our wall of shame in <laughs> in your studio so th- this is this is a shame but is anyone actually surprised by this i i is this even a story in a traditional sense right folks who are postal workers are in our communities just like everybody else and they're targeted for crime just like everybody else it just so happens that they have uh, a key that can give at least what we're hoping are just low-level criminals, not violent criminals, even though clearly there's been violence. But these are people who are just going after the male, so they're probably not going to shoot and kill you or stab you to death. Fingers crossed, but it, you never know. So, yeah, let's add, though, to this no, no sleep. What is this? What is the saying? Do you not know what I'm talking is about? Is there a post Postal workers' creed or something? Yeah. Does it need to be chanted? It's neither. What they say every morning? No. Oh, here it is. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. That's the mission and motto. While the Postal Service has no official motto, the popular belief that it does is a tribute to America's postal workers, according to the U.S. Postal Service's website. And then at the bottom, it says, we just added the fact that they're going to give away your mail to some junkie who's looking to steal your checks. But other than that, we will still deliver the mail. But if even if there's a homeless person generally around us, we'll just give them the mail just to avoid any liability. That's, <laughs> that's the new motto. <laughs> Push the button. What's trending? Stuck in traffic. No. Link Light Rail's one-line service from Seattle Soto Station to Capitol Hill, which has been shut down because the crews are fixing the sinking rail, the tracks, which, of course, impacts not just Seattle, but anyone going to and from the airport who are visiting for work or for purposes of, 
I don't know why you would come here for vacation anymore, even when it was nice. I don't quite understand Seattle as a vacation spot because there's really nothing to do. But let's say you were doing that. You, of course, would be impacted in a significant way. Now, Sound Transit told us that it would only be about 15 minutes of added time to your ride. And what did I say that number would be? Like one hour? Exactly. I said it was going to be probably about one hour, maybe even 90 minutes. Lo and behold... During crippling heat, no less, that's exactly what it's been. It's been about an hour added to one's trip. Kaylee is a light rail rider from Capitol Hill. She spoke with our sister station, Cairo News Radio, and Mickey Gamez, and she said it's been an absolute nightmare. As as a southbound train came, people, half of the crowd left, but then majority of the people stayed and then more and more people came and then by the time that the train was coming it was uh packed as if there was a taylor swift concert (laughs) that that'll okay that'll do it it's packed because obviously fewer trains running people are going to pack like sardines onto the only positive in all of this is maybe there was less room for the homeless who just sleep there all day they couldn't even find a space to sleep Kaylee said she's been forced forced to miss work obligations because of all of this. Pretty slow moving. Took about 20 minutes to get on a, a train, and it usually takes about five minutes or less. Um, and I didn't know that there was any closures or anything like that. And so that was kind of a, a slow morning um, and deterred me actually from a meeting. I had to postpone the meeting because of it. And then I, I came mean, home on Tuesday, and honest. it took me about an hour to get home when it takes me about 15, 20 minutes to get home because it was a one-track train. Again, I don't need credit, although I'll take it, for saying this was the case. Who in their right mind believed that this kind of delay would only be 15 minutes? The work that they're doing. The fact that you have to get off of light rail, get out of the station, then transfer to a bus that's coming every, every 10 to 15 minutes to the next one, then wait for that train that's, again, one train on one track. Who thought that it would only be like a 15, maybe 20-minute delay? Who, who in their right mind thought that? Now, she mentions that she didn't even know that this was going on, which means she's probably not a, a super user of the news, because in fairness, it did get out there. But to you and I, the person listening at home and the person who gets paid to read the news, maybe... We listened to her and like, how could you miss this news? It was kind of everywhere. It really wasn't when you think about it from the perspective of someone who doesn't follow the news all that much. What What do you mean you weren't following sound transit on the X profile? You're not following them on TikTok? You would have known it had you been doing Like That's just not how people operate. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Knowing that this is an average person, most likely, who just doesn't pay that close attention to the news. I'm willing to bet she has the exact same lack of understanding of political issues that are leading to an increase in crime, homelessness that's out of control, and drug use that's rampant. People sometimes ask, well, how do you not want to do something about what's going on? How do you not even realize what's going on? Don't don't you have eyes? Aren't you paying attention? Some people live in their bubbles. We all, to an extent, live in a bubble. How big that bubble is depends on your circumstances and who you are and where you work and how far you have to work to get, like all those things matter. But for a lot of people, they're not paying close attention to all this other stuff. And so before you know it, 
they're forgetting even to vote. And the person that they vote for when they do end up voting for someone is, oh, I like that person's name. Sounds like a kind name. I like the, the photo in this voter's guide. She has a kind face. And then, bam, all of a sudden you voted for Tammy Morales, who, by the way, does not have a kind face. Just throwing that out there. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? You can't make this up. Nordstrom, 25 years ago, opened their downtown headquarters in Seattle. They moved from another building to the one they're currently in, the one that constantly is now getting hit by criminals trying to break in. And they did what, and this kind of feels like this was very much a mid to late 90s thing. They decided to bury a time capsule. Now, again, I I haven't heard of time capsules being used at all within the last maybe decade. Do you even understand what a time capsule is, 28-year-old producer? Yeah, I know what a time capsule okay, so, is. Again, I, I don't know if this was a cultural moment in time where everyone was weirdly interested in burying something filled with products of the time or, or mementos of the time and then opening it at a future date, which also sounds like the start of a horror movie known as Knowing. Um, 25 years doesn't seem, <laughs> frankly, like all that long of a time to open the time capsule. But they opened it today at 1 o'clock. We're still waiting to find out what was actually in it because, uh, believe it or not, I don't think any reporter showed up to this. Or if anyone Why did, not? it's going to be the, the sort this of the breaking story news. tonight. And they opened it 25 years later. And this was filled with, they say, memor- memorabilia and mementos from the time. Now, they opened 25 years. That was 1998. I just found the best Instagram account. And it has nothing to do with children getting hurt, at least not directly. It's about 90s nostalgia. And all they do on this Instagram account is post commercials from the 1990s, videos of like high school students and what they dressed like. It is so fascinating because, number one, no one realizes it at the time. But the 90s, very drab. (laughs) It was just sort of a blah. I would describe the 90s as meh. That, that I think describes the 90s as a whole. Great music. The best rock albums, alternative rock albums, happened between 95 and 96. Maybe going up all the way to 98. That was the best era of, of alternative rock music before it became all pop poppy. But I started to think about what I would put in a time capsule if I were doing it at the time. And I'm kind of curious if any of what I was thinking made it into the time capsule. So, for example, do you have any concept of Ren and Stimpy? I know that it was a show, but it was a little bit before me. That bloated idiot! That was basically the show, and it was kind of gross and weirdly graphic, but not sexually, more like poop jokes before poop jokes were a thing. I would put the Stimpy doll and the Ren doll in the time capsule. I would put, do you know what a soccer bopper is? I, I didn't know it. I couldn't remember what the name is, but I remember what you're about to play. You can sock all day and bop all night. Soccer bopper, soccer bopper. More fun than a pillow fight. So it is inflatable boxing gloves, basically, which is not all that different from an actual boxing glove, right? It has a little bit more padding, no, more obviously. more comical. 
and they're hideous and ugly. They almost look like what do you put on um, the flotation? Like water wingies. Yeah, the floaties. Like giant you put on ones. The, yeah, you just put around your hands and <laughs> start beating the crap out of your friend. And I remember this at the time, and it was one of those items, those toys, I guess, that everyone was all like, "Maybe this is not a good idea. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do this because there's going to be someone who doesn't fully blow into it." And inflate and just beat the crap out of their best friend. That that's all. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, you were judging me. I would have put the, what would you have put in there? Your first tooth that fell out? No, because you I were don't know. two at the time. Maybe like a SpongeBob doll or something. That was a little you, bit more my era. What would you put in it right now? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I want people to text in their answer. I'm actually curious. One eight hundred four six five eight seven seventy. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? The environment. Of course, we could not escape the smoke this weekend. Sunday, it hit us pretty hard. I thought it was supposed to be gone by this morning, but obviously not. When I woke up, like so many others, it was a significant improvement over where things were on Sunday. So when will we see completely clearer skies? Joining me on the line to discuss this so-called smoke storm is our friend Cliff Mass, UW Atmospheric Sciences professor. Welcome back to the show. Sure, good to talk. Obviously, every hour that went by today, it got clearer and clearer and clearer. It's still not completely clear. So when should we expect clean air again? Well, it actually was much better in the morning. It was Uh, better, yeah. Along the coast, there was no smoke. And at low levels, it was much better. So what you see may not tell you what the smoke is at the surface. There was some smoke still aloft this morning, but it got much better at the surface. Well, right now it's way better over much of western Washington. So uh, we you know, we can see the sensors that tell us how, how much particulate matter is there. And it really improved during the day. And none of and this, that, by the way, was, was a surprise because we knew this was coming. The, the technology to tell us this was coming has gotten really, really advanced. That's right. We knew days ahead of time days ahead of time that this was going to happen. So it was no surprise. We have these smoke models now that are extraordinarily accurate. And so we knew that the winds were going to switch and some of the smoke in British Columbia was going to flood us. That's what happened. Uh, so, and just as we have the models for then, you know, for the future, it looks like, you know, it's going to get progressively better tonight and tomorrow. Tomorrow will be radically better. And it's going to get better through Tuesday and Wednesday. So, you know, I, I think we're in a substantial improving trend. The only thing we're watching right now is Thursday. Thursday is going to warm up again. Uh, not as hot as it's been, but to get into the lower 80s. And maybe a little smoke will get across, but nothing like what happened on Sunday. Well, assuming the airplane lake fire does not get under control in the next few days, obviously you're mentioning Thursday as a possibility, but when does that become a significant threat to smoky air? Well, fortunately, you know, the air is coming off the ocean for most of the period. And as long as that's the case, you know, we're at least in the lowlands of western Washington, we're really in good shape. So I'm I'm pretty optimistic. You know, we've had a number of fires in eastern Washington, but they've been mainly grass fires. Mm -hmm. And grass fires tend to burn out, you know, very rapidly. The big smoke producers that we worry about is British Columbia, where some of the forest is burning. That's the real smoke producer. And as long as the air is not coming from British Columbia, we're going to be in pretty good shape. 
So just sticking with the Eastern Washington fire right now, or fires, I guess, Jay Inslee was on MSNBC and he said, we need to decarbonize our economy so these fires don't ravage us. What's your response? Well, in terms of these grass fires, um, whether we, whatever we do, decarbonizing or not, have virtually no effect, zero. Um, you know, basically, grasses dry out very, very rapidly. And all you need is a little bit of wind and, and warm, dry conditions, and they're dry enough to burn in the summer. And so the big thing is whether we're going to get the wind and whether somebody is going to ignite it. And neither of these things have anything to do with climate change, really. When you hear comments like that from Jay Inslee, does it ruffle your feathers? I mean, I know you believe in climate change. I believe in climate change. I want to be, you know, a positive steward of our environment. But it seems like whenever you hear comments that that pretty much, uh, you know, ascribe blame to climate change for anything that happens, a drizzle today, climate change, you seem to devalue the entire conversation. Well, first, let's be careful. Let's not do, use the word believe. No one should believe in climate change. No one believes in gravity. You acknowledge, <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, there's there's scientific facts yeah. okay, that we think we know. Scientists, when we have meetings, I'm a scientist. No one says, I believe in mm-hmm. anything. That's, that's religion. Okay? Yeah. Um, the problem is over-ascribing climate change to every single weather event is very dangerous because it prevents us from dealing with some of the problems that we have. Uh, we have you know, forests that have been overgrown, have been taken care of properly, and they have a tendency to burn catastrophically. Well, if we bl- blame climate change on that, we're not going to blame. We're not going to deal with the real problems, which is mismanaged forests and invasive grasses. Um, the same thing was true of Maui. You know, it's being claimed now by a certain governor that it's climate change, but. But that's preve- but if you blame that, you're not going to deal with the real problem, which is all the invasive grasses around town and the poor weather observations and the inability of the municipality to deal with the situation that was very dangerous. So, yeah. Hanging on to water bad. for uh, hours longer than you need to needed to because equity. Right. And, and the fact they didn't they didn't take the power. They, sh- they should have de-energized the place. And, they, you know, because the wind forecasts were, were extreme. So they made mistakes. It's not these mistakes are not climate change. So we hurt the population by blaming something that's really not not the fault. There you go. If you want to read more about the weather in general, head on over to cliffmass.blogspot.com. He does a really good job of making it so that we can understand all of the fancy terms and imagery that he uses. Cliff Mass, thank you so much. Good to talk to you. You're listening to The Jason Rand Show. Don't forget our friend and local tax expert, Greg Nunn of None Better Tax Resolution. He's growing and he's looking for tax specialists. If you're passionate about fighting for taxpayers as passionate as Greg Nunn is, give him a call. Maybe you've got a job waiting for you. 425-947-1967 or Google N-U-N-N, None Better Tax Resolution. Back with the big local after this. rules are available on ktth.com or in person at the station during regular business hours olympia sammamish lakewood Bellevue. this is the big local on the jason ranch show bellingham kirkland Z-Town. stories about you not about seattle 
Hey, look at that. 4.30 on a weekday afternoon. That means it's time for the big local. Brought to you by Alpine Specialty Services online at alpineclean.com. It's a part of the show where we completely ignore stories coming out of Seattle and instead spend all of our time, our focus, our energy on the communities you live in and care about most. And we start in Mason County where they do not mess around in Shelton, Belfair, or Skokomish. I think is Skokomish. I think it's in Mason County. Just say yes. Yes. See, I knew it. <laughs> I know my county. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it's in, in Mason County. Uh, we told you last week that their sheriff Ryan Sperling, who we hope to have on the show this week, announced that his deputies are going to be cracking down on public drug use starting this week. In fact, today was the first day. And in this case, because of the changes finally to state law, anyone who's caught using narcotics in public. So just I'm smoking fentanyl on a sidewalk. That person will face a gross misdemeanor and up to 180 days in jail. Now, the the sheriff went over the most recent numbers from the coroner's office, and it is startling. When you look at the fentanyl overdoses per capita, Mason County is the highest. Now, the raw number is, quote unquote, low. When you compare it to, say, King County, which it, the last we checked was at 803 or 804, something like that. And it's undoubtedly closer now to 850. But in Mason County, the population is small. So you've got a total of 40 residents who have died last year from fentanyl overdose. Last year, 40. This year, 19. So they seem to be headed at least in the right direction, but he's not taking it for granted. So speaking with Cairo 7 TV, Sheriff Sperling says the crisis is worse than you realize. Uh, They don't understand why when they bring their kids into town, uh, they have to step over needles. They shouldn't have to, which is why he is going to take his job seriously, which is why he's actually going to enforce the law. A lot of the drugs that are coming into our community are coming from the bigger metropolitan areas into our community and our small community doesn't have the tax base to deal with some of that so it's been a little bit harder for us than some of the bigger counties to keep up with some of the issues but this is how you do it he said it i've said it many times at the end of the day the thing that works for a lot of folks is when you threaten them with jail These are addicts who, up until this moment, have been barely surviving. And they are in desperate need of a wake-up call. And when you're constantly chasing a high, you're never going to stop for a moment to think about what's going on, which direction your life is headed. But when all of a sudden you are facing the prospect of detoxing in jail over a weekend, some people actually getting detox getting off their drug in jail over a weekend it is miserable so miserable it could get them for just a moment to say okay fine i'll take you up on your offers of resources maybe not thinking they're going to take it seriously but it works on them this one time and it all started because that officer had a contact with this person not a contact high but a contact with this person and said 
I'm going to put you in jail if you don't say yes to our offers of services. Some people are going to say no. Okay, you're going to jail. You're going to go to jail. How long you'll stay in jail is anyone's guess. I know you can serve up to 180 days. Likely you're not going to. Certainly not on a first-time arrest for public drug use. But Ryan Sperling and his deputies, they'll just be there the next day. When you're out of jail, you're using, again, same exact issue. You're saying no to us, then we're going to throw you in jail. Okay, throw me in jail. Put him in jail again. They're there for two days this time. Then they get out, get high again. You catch him again because you're committed to tackling this problem. And many of these folks are the same people getting high in the exact same places over and over and over again. So it makes it pretty easy to track them. Maybe on that fifth arrest is when they finally say, okay, I'll take you up on your offer of resources. Great. It took you a while to get him there or get her there. But you just saved this person's life potentially. When we're talking about the drug, especially when we're talking about fentanyl, but when we're talking about opioids in general, they will ultimately kill each and every person who's an addict. Each and every person. And while I don't know and I don't think the story to Painkiller, which is this new series short form on Netflix, I don't know how true to life some of the details are, at least as it relates to... The family behind uh, Purdue who who introduced, they were talking about OxyContin. Um, I I think they do because I do studies. I know people, but I've done a lot of studying on addiction. And they cover how opioid addiction impacts this one guy who had a back injury. He had an accident. His back was killing him. The Vicodin was running out. And his doctor, who had the best of intentions because of the way that Purdue very dishonestly sold the drug, said, okay, I'm going to give you this opioid. Take it every 12 hours, and you'll be good to go. So he takes it, he gets addicted to it, and before he realizes it, he's taking it every 10 hours. And then, of course, he gets used to that, that dose. So we go from uh, 20 to 40. On and on and on it goes. He ends up homeless, an addict, and then he ends up dying. Just when you think he has gotten over his addiction... Because he didn't get any treatment in the show. He ends up dying in his car on the way to go see his kids and his wife. It was a brutal but honest portrayal of some drug addicts. Imagine how much worse it is for the people who are living out on the streets right this moment. And so kudos to the sheriff for actually doing something. Adam Fortney will be on the show this week. We're going to try to get all the different sheriffs to come on and explain what it is they're doing now that they actually can enforce the law. And I do like to guess the populations. Do we look up the... the is Skokomish in Mason County? Yeah, it, it is. is. Okay. It, it, Google kept wanting to correct it to Skykomish. Uh, I was like, so we, we had So that issues. was why you were making the dumb and distracting face in there. Yeah. Thank you. It was very distracting. Was it that dumb? It was, Well... That's your resting face. <laughs> oh, you walked into that one. Okay, Skokomish, I know, because it's very, very small. I'm, it's like 750. It's very small. I know it's under a thousand. I'm certain it's under a thousand. Yeah, pretty close. 635 at the 2020 uh, census. That was actually stupidly close. Uh, what, Belfair. $5,200. Uh, also fairly close. Uh, 4500 Oh, That actually was. And then Shelton, I was just there, and I know this. I think I know this because I just did a speech there. 
Didn't I? Yes. Yeah, I think so. 11,000? Got a pretty solidly close again. Uh, 10 7. I would, if I guessed 10 7, then you would know I cheated. If that's that, fair. That's the that's tell. I never, fair. I don't think I've, or maybe once I got it right. You've on had the a note. couple that have been like, yeah. In, like within like 10 or 20 people. Skokomish, I just remembered. I knew it was under 1,000. Uh, here's an ironic story out of Mill Creek where community transit construction is contaminating the soil over at McCullum Park. So the transit agency that they say, you should take us to stop polluting. You're just throwing all this gunk into the air with your gas-powered vehicle. Why do you hate the environment so much? Take our transit. They're destroying the same environment that they're <laughs> shaming you for destroying. According to the Everett Herald, the State Department of Ecology fined Community Transit and its contractor $10,000 each for stormwater permit violations at McCullum Park, the site of the former Amander landfill. It used to be a landfill. I can't remember when they constructed a new park over it, but they ended up over at Community Transit uh, saying this site would be perfect for a park and ride. So this parking lot you drive to and then you cut down some of your commute, you park there for free, then you hop on the bus and it takes you the rest of the way. It's expected to open, they say, in 2024, which means it'll never actually open. They say Ecology was notified through its environmental report tracking system in October of last year about stormwater runoff at the park. At the work site, officials noticed workers had cut through the cap and liner placed over contaminated soil from the landfill. Community Transit hadn't notified Ecology they had excavated in the area and exposed contaminated soil. So there was no monitoring to determine if the soil polluted the runoff. At construction sites, Ecology is mostly concerned about the presence of sediment in stormwater runoff and its acidity levels because that can actually affect water quality and aquatic life. This is a government agency that did not follow the rules. And yet, anytime it's a public or excuse me, a private project that even potentially threatens the environment due to some stormwater permit. I'm thinking of the megachurch in Milton, the gem of Pierce County. It's a huge, not only is it a huge story, but you'll get like King Five doing an equity series over the court, the equity of San, Coho Salmon and the, the disproportionate impact that uh, environmental racism has on black residents who enjoy Coho Salmon. It, it would be a long series. This gets a little right, and kudos, Everett Herald covered it. It sounds boring on its surface. It's stormwater, who cares? But I'm willing to bet this happens more often than people realize when it comes specifically to government agencies, because they always seem to take a position that the rules don't really matter. And so what if they do something wrong? $10,000 fine, big deal. You're going to pay for it anyway, the taxpayer. Same thing with Sound Transit. They're never on time. They're never on their budget. They just completely go past it proudly almost then change the timelines to pretend that they're actually doing it within a reasonable amount of time and like oh we'll get the money somewhere we'll just get it from the taxpayers oh let's just float sound transit uh number 12 let's vote on that package every single time every time and when will there be consequences when someone loses their job do you think a single person a single person loses their job over at Community Transit. No. No. Not even a little bit. That stuff drives me nuts. 
And again, that $10,000, we paid for it. Community Transit didn't get hit. Their budget got hit. Their budget is filled with taxpayer dollars, and their budget will be refilled with taxpayer dollars. Ugh. 1-800-465-8770 for your text messages. You pick the news when we come back. Story number one. Adopting eight therapeutic habits can add decades to your life. You do know I love stories that give you advice. Or story number two, Friday Night Lights star Taylor Kitsch, who actually was in Painkiller. He's moving to Montana. Why? L.A. was way too much for him to handle. The politics of living in L.A. Which story should we cover? 1-800-465-8770. You are listening to The Jason Rant Show. You pick the topic on The Jason Rand Show. And you really do love me because you're allowing me to tackle the latest bit of advice on, in this case, eight therapeutic habits that can add decades to your life. And it's based on a study from the American Society for Nutrition. I thought BuzzFeed went under. And this is Washington Post, too. Wow. Oh, my God. What I love about this list because they say eight therapeutic habits. You would think habit would indicate some kind of movement on your part. You would be adopting something that you do, an action, correct? A habit is an action. In theory, yeah. Some things on this list are not doing things, which is not a habit. So, for example... They say, in the study presented at the annual meeting of the American Society for Nutrition, researchers found that men who adopted all eight habits by middle age lived 24 years longer than men whose lifestyle included few or none of the habits. Women's life expectancy increased by 23 years for those who had adopted the eight habits compared to the women who had not. So, almost equal. 70 cents on the dollar kind of thing. They get one year less than men, but it's about the same. And let's be honest, the longer you live, those last years, not the greatest. (laughs) Generally, they're not the greatest. If there was some way to get the good stuff early, like get, let's just do instead of being 26, you're 26 twice. You're 42 twice in a row. Never works out that way. Habit number one to adopt, not smoking. Okay. That's not a habit. That is not a habit. Smoking is a habit. So don't tell me to adopt a habit that says don't do something. That's not a habit. It's not a habit. Max, it's not a habit. Yeah, I guess so. What do you mean you guess so? What is a habit? Well, if not smoking. What is a habit? Something you do repetitively. Yes, a, a not an action. But for a smoker, not smoking would be a habit. No. If you're not smoking, you're not a smoker. It ceases to be a habit. The smoking is the habit. If it said, here's eight habits to break to live longer, that would make more sense. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, words are important. All I right. Mean, other than that, I'm not passionate at all about this story. Number two, being physically active. That is a... Utterly useless tip. What does that mean? What kind of physical activity? How long should you be physically active? Because you hear 
different numbers, although it feels like the settled number is about 30 minutes a day of some kind of physical activity. But what does that mean? Because you also hear that it doesn't have to be consecutive. So throughout the day, I'm up and down walking around this office probably for a total of 30 minutes. If you put all the times I get up, go to the coffee shop, walk downstairs to the bathroom because no one wants to use the bathroom up here, even though everyone uses the downstairs one to poop and it's gross. But that's the best one. Or you go upstairs because I got to talk to sales, right? You add it all up, it's about 30 minutes. You mean to tell me that that's enough? Because you don't tell me anything in the stupid Washington Post list, being physically active. Here's another one, managing stress. So that's not a habit, okay? It is a goal that includes certain habits that you can adopt in order to, in fact, manage stress. That's it. How you doing on that goal? I'm stress-free. <laughs> But is is that a if I tell you here's a way to live longer, okay, twenty four years longer? I never asked you your gender, but I'm going to make an assumption. Actually, twenty three years longer for you. If I told you to manage stress, does that really mean anything to you? Is that an actionable habit to adopt? And is it, by the way, just like okay, I'll manage stress? Hey, look at me. I'm managing. Kind of a pie in the sky kind of theory. It's, it's not even necessarily pie in the sky because you you could, in fact, manage oh, sure. stress. But how you manage my stress. Job. But how do you manage stress? It doesn't tell you. What, are, are there better ways to manage stress than than others? People say Quit meditate. Smoking. That's boring. Quitting smoking is not managing stress. In fact, stress is often alleviated by people who smoke, right? Isn't that one of the things? I'm kind of stressed out. I'm pulling out a cigarette. That's one of the reasons why they smoke to begin with. Here's another one. Eating a healthy diet means nothing. What kind of diet? What's healthy now? Is it keto or is it vegetarian or is it vegan? No one says anything. Having good sleep hygiene, which sleep hygiene is the worst phrase. It makes it seem like make sure you're washing your sheets. That's not what it means. I washed my sheets the other day and I've been sleeping considerably better the last couple of nights. I will not. You're a liar. Although, again, in your case, you probably haven't. What was the last time you watched them? 2012? Okay. That wasn't nice. Sheets. That wasn't nice. You're a 28-year-old dude, let's be honest. It was like a month. Oh, my God. Really? How, how often are you supposed to every wash your week. sheets as a guy? Probably more often. As a guy, probably every day. But I, I do it every week. So sleep hygiene just means going to bed at generally the same time. It means waking up generally at the same time, including on weekends. It means, and I always love this useless tip, when you're in bed, don't use your cell phone or or look on a screen. No, that's the time I'm going to be looking at the screen the most <laughs> is when I'm in bed. Right? Don't you? I'm on my stupid chess app all night until I get ready for bed or I'm listening to a podcast. Yeah, I pretty much do the same. And then they say... Don't use your bed for anything but sleep or sex. That's it. Because otherwise, you're going to get in your head a connection between, say, work. Let's say you're checking work emails and your bedroom. And you're not supposed to do that. So you're supposed to have a life that's just, I guess, filled with sex and just sleeping. No TV in the bedroom, which maybe actually does lead to to more sex. With the married people, at least. Uh, Avoiding binge drinking. Here's another thing. So the first one was not smoking, but the third one, this other one is avoiding binge drinking. Why not just say don't binge drink? What's with the weird grammar change? 
you know, you gotta avoid it. Sometimes it's inevitable. Avoid binge drinking. I know it's is that hard to do for people who are not addicts or alcoholics, right? You know who's gonna be able to not uh, accept that quote unquote habit? Alcoholics. So you've not helped them at all. Well, this list of habits seems to be meant for somebody that lives a very different lifestyle than you. Well, here's another one. Not being addicted to opioids. Well, like, how is that a habit? (laughs) That's not a habit. This is dumb. It's it's not a habit. We're saying don't use illicit drugs. And then the final one, again, as (laughs) as if you can control this, and you're screwed on this one. Having positive social relationships. Hey, stupid, you know that's not going to work for you. That's why you'll be dead in a few. But having positive social relationships, what, I don't even know what that means. Is it just friends? Like, but friends aren't always positive. So get rid of the toxic people in your life. What's determined as toxic? Okay, me. Yeah, uh, am I allowed to answer that? They said overall, people who adopted all eight were 13% less likely to die for any reason during the study period of about eight years, researchers said. And the mortality rate for participants declined as the number of healthy habits they followed increased. Wow. So you mean to tell me people who were not opioid addicts didn't die a premature death? Oh my gosh, thank you. You put that in a journal really important here here's a habit don't write stupid studies don't publish useless recaps of said studies in the washington post jason rancher